Hi, this is Skip Stewart, and this is another episode of Connecting the Dots podcast. Once again, I'm Skip Stewart, Vice President and Chief Improvement Officer with Baptist Memorial Healthcare. Hey, everybody. I'm H.F. Mason. I'm a general surgeon and chief medical officer at Baptist Memorial Hospital DeSoto. Well, today we are so incredibly excited to have two of my very good friends, Patrick Gropp and Martha Purier. And Pat and Martha, even though I know you and know all the great work that both of y'all have done, would you tell us, uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and and some of the work that you're involved in? Martha, you want to go first? Sure. (laughs) Love to. My name is Martha, and I'm an oncology nurse. I uh, just sort of wrapped up a career at Virginia Mason, and I've spent 35 years in oncology and process improvement. And I'm Patrick Graup, and my background is I spent 20 years uh, working for the Sanyo Corporation, 10 of those in Japan when I first got out of college. And uh, there at Sanyo, I learned and promoted uh, the program we called TWI, or Training Within Industry. And since 9-11, I've been working with colleagues uh, uh, in the Syracuse, New York area, where we started the TWI Institute. And now we have trainers uh, all over the country and all over the world um, promoting TWI. Well, Martha and Patrick, thank once again, thank you very much for being here. And just to let you guys know that, as Skip talked about before we started recording, uh, Y'all's book, Getting to uh, Standard Work in Healthcare, was one of the first improvement books I read. And and actually, Martha, the very first book that I read was uh, Transforming Healthcare that was actually given to me by Dr. DePriest. And, and that's kind of cool that he's done the uh, the forward in y'all's second edition that, that we'll get into. But, um, you know, and Patrick, I, I really have enjoyed... Uh, seeing you and hearing you talk at our TWI summits that we've had. Uh, unfortunately, this last one was was done virtually, but uh, I was in the one in Oxford a few years ago, and I really enjoyed it. But one of the things that, you know, I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on is when we talk about standardization, and, and particularly standardization in healthcare, sometimes especially as a physician, you get, you, we, we get a lot of pushback and, and, and I was the chief, the chief center when it came to that, because I, I, I did my residency from 93 to 98 and, you know, really a a surgery residency was more like an apprenticeship. I mean, you, you just had to, and y'all mentioned this in y'all's book, you you just had to go out there and you had to learn. And I was scrubbing with different attendings and, I would have to, you know, when I finally started practice, I would take, okay, I like I like what this surgeon did. I don't like the way he did this. I like the way this one did this. And it was just kind of a hodgepodge. Talk to us a little bit about the importance of standardization in, in, in healthcare. Well, I think um, I'm going to start, Pat. You can jump in anytime. But, I, you know, to me, one of the key issues is – uh, the definition of standard work versus clinical best practice. And we seem to think that somebody's changing the clinical best practice and who knows how to do that and what right do you have? And I'm a practitioner and I have all this experience. And really, it's beyond the clinical known best practice. And so every great guideline 
even the ones that we're getting now from CDC and they're changing often, all of those guidelines still need work on interpretation. So the logistics of getting that right, for example, like just the easiest one right off the top of our head is the the idea that you should do screening for COVID before anybody comes into your facility. And so there's agreement on screening and maybe even the series of questions that you should use for screening come through. Um, but none of the logistics are ever worked out. So your facility still has the work of where are we going to do it? What's our layout? Who's the right person to do this? What are we going to do if they screen positive? Where do we send them and how do we deal with that? And so I think that, you know, standard work is very different than just saying, okay, we now use chlorhexidine. We're not using betadine, for example. You know, it's like we're, we're moving on to this cleaning agent. We still have a lot of logistics to, to figure out and sort out. And that's what this work is, is trying to get uh, the best known clinical practices that come from clinical trials and peer review research and all of those things into actual practice. And that is has to be done locally because every organization has its own supply chain. They have their own physical layout. They have different personnel that have different licensures. And so, you know, to me, that's one of the things. So it's not a, a, a compromise or you have to pick one. They work, they work together. Yeah. So as they say, the devil is in the details, right? Um, yeah. You know, on a higher level, though, Dr. Mason, one of the things that we wrote about in the book is some comments uh, some years ago, you know, by Atul Gawande, if you're familiar and a fan of his work. And, and the way he expresses it is that, you know, traditionally and even to this day, you know, physicians and healthcare workers, especially physicians, are trained, you know, as though they were kind of cowboys, you know, lone wolves kind of out there. I'm going to take care of the patient, you know, from start to end. And uh, we still kind of train them in that way. But because of the technology, because of the advances in healthcare, because of the complexity of the healthcare system, no one person, you know, can do everything. They have to work together in teams. He likes to call them like pit crews, you know, at NASCAR. Sure. Um, they have to work together and they and each person in that team has very specialty functions. So if those uh, team members and the work that they do, if that's not standardized, then we don't really know what everybody else is doing. And then that's where it, therein lies the danger. And, uh, you know, whether we're working in a hospital or in a in a factory, you know, if we don't have standardized processes, you know, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. And in that variation, in that inconsistency, that's where the danger lies and that's where problems occur. And so we have to kind of standardize the work so that um, the whole process flows through the system in a very consistent way that ensures quality patient care each time. Sure. You know, like Dr. Gawande mentioned, a hundred years ago, we may have had 60 different mm -hmm. diagnoses that we had to treat, but now we have hundreds and thousands and, exactly. and uh, thousands of drugs, and there's no way to there's no way to to memorize all that. And and when I'm writing postoperative orders on a patient that I've done a colon resection on, it sure is nice having those antibiotics come right up, and I don't have to sit here and, and think about that. They're 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 right there for me. Right. 
and 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 in those standards when we decide what that standard is and the i think the misconception especially in healthcare is you get you know that uh, oh you know <laughs> people are not cars you know every single person is unique and and has their own unique abilities and own unique uh, you know aptitudes and physical features and so on and that's certainly true um, but that doesn't mean that we can't have a standardized process that addresses each person in their own unique way. So it's a real misunderstanding that standard work means there's only one and only one way that you do things. Can you talk a little bit on that, Martha? You probably you, you can explain that a little better than me. Yeah, I think that um, you know it's really that idea of standardize the things that are simple. And that, as you were saying, writing post-op orders, it's like there is a best practice. There is a guideline. Let's, you know, make that as simple and as accessible and as um, streamlined as possible to allow capacity for you to think about the patient who's not following that pathway of like, then eh, this person's different. They have a unique setting. And so... Even that can, you know, free us up so that we can spend the time on critical thinking and your experiences and your, you know, collegial relationships. It's like we can work on the harder situations, but um, standardize and simplify the things that are straightforward and make it just as easy as possible for us. That certainly is one of the things that I try to convince people is that when you do standardize things, you you don't have to expend that mental energy on, on those processes. And as you said, Martha, it does allow you to free up space in your mind so that you can think about other other more complex uh, things. And but let's let's say, you know, we're going to get into to TWI a little bit. And Patrick, I'll I'll, I'll let you talk about that a little bit. But Let's say you do have a process that you want to standardize. You know, what walk us through how how you go about doing that. Well, you know, it's kind of a chicken and egg problem, actually, you know, because, you know, where do you start? You know, do you have a standard process of best practices that maybe is documented that we're trying to follow and struggling to follow? Or maybe there are many things, you know, practices that are just kind of tribal knowledge. You know, we just this is just kind of how we've done it, you know, for for time immemorable. And so the way we start is by, you know, bringing together, you know, good people who have good practices um, and what we call in job instruction, making a job instruction breakdown. And so we'll kind of go through that process um, and try to determine, you know, what are those important steps? You know, the things that it, that it, here's the here's the sequence of steps that we want you to follow. And then, of course, looking for those very important key points. You know, what are the key points to each of those steps? You know, the knack or the trick or the feel, you know, the technique, you know, that, that gets each of those done. And then we want to kind of identify why we do it that way. But, you know, the way we go about it is if you put and Skip and I have done this process many, many times and we've just seen the, how that magic works. You know, when you put, you know, a group of, you know, experts and, uh, you know, your people who who understand the process, have experience with the process, as a, and then you just work it out and kind of, you know, as they say, lock the door and nobody can leave until we come up with the one way that everybody agrees that we're going to do this. And sometimes that take may take many hours, right? And uh, But it's well worth it because at the end of, of that time, we, we have agreement, we have consensus that this is the way 
all of us are going to do it each and every time. And then we can take that job instruction breakdown and then use our TWI techniques then to teach the rest of the workforce how to do it that way that we all agree on. And I think that, you know, to add on to Pat's is, you know, the the piece of taking clinical experts as well as people who have done it for quite a while and and putting those two pieces together is exactly exactly how you do it. You want to make sure that you have the clinical known best practice, but the people who have done it for a long time in your setting with the tools at hand are going to have tips and tricks and knacks. And you don't want their tips and tricks and knack to take away from the clinical benefit outcome, like a shortcut. But you so you want to have both that kind of check and balance of those people in the same room. And then you get down to the hand motions and the sequence and the, you know, those are the logistics. And so that's so key is is to bring both those parties together so that you have really the best known expert clinical way to do it and the easiest, simplest, smoothest way to do it within your organization, with your people, and, and then you have something that everybody will naturally follow because it is the higher level best practice matched with uh, a smooth flow in an easy way. It's going to save everybody time. It's just going to catch. It's going to be so much easier to learn, and and people will respect that way. Sure. And, and the outcome is is to is to create, you know, habits, you know, because as human beings, we're creatures of habit. You know, once we get into a set way that we all agree is the way we do it, then, you know, the, like I like to say, the new way becomes the way we've always done it. And then that's how you create that standard and that consistency. So, Pat, if you would uh, remind us again about the name of the book, uh, even though, you know, I might be familiar with it. Remind us about the name and tell us what changed from the original book to the second edition? Sure. Um, well, getting to standard work in healthcare and, and our subtitles using TWI to create a foundation uh, for quality care. You know, when when Martha and I uh, met, oh gosh, 10 years ago now, huh, Martha? You know, we, uh, you know, we were working together. Virginia Mason was the pioneer of TWI, you know, in, in healthcare. And we learned a lot, but we started with job instruction. And so the initial, um, the initial work really focused solely and only on the job instruction. And since then, you know, when I started working with you, Skip, you know, we then integrated job relations and then job methods and standard work and kata and other practices, you know, into healthcare. And in that 10 years, we gained a lot of experience. So the biggest difference, you know, in, in the book is that it adds in now uh, job relations, the four steps of job relations with healthcare examples, you know, real examples that we experienced at uh, working there at Baptist and other healthcare facilities, and then a little bit on job methods uh, towards the end. And so, but, but what Martha and I uh, realized as we were getting into the second edition is that the original, you know, case studies of hand hygiene and some of the initial, um, um, you know, uh, work that we did in the initial book still held true, you know, after 10 years. And that was a, a nice realization. And then the other big piece, which Martha can talk about is, you know, um, was we added into the new edition, Martha's experience uh, during the in, uh, during the pandemic. Yeah, I think that um, not just how we used it in the pandemic. So there's lots of examples of how 
Um, because we had, as you were saying, the habit of using TWI, uh, using our lean tools, flowing out processes, finding better way to do things, um, how to put across training to people, we were able to really apply that experience in a, a nimble way. It was just very natural for us to set up um, PPE stations when PPE changed and we couldn't get certain gowns. We had different types of gowns or we had different kind of masks or when the CDC finally jumped on board and said aerosolized, it changed from droplet precautions and contact, you know, to respiratory precautions. That's a whole different ballgame on PPE. And so we just like changed as the science evolved. We were able to, to do that piece. But I think that um, just another super important piece to this new edition in the book is um, our ability to sustain those results. And so, you know, I continued working with things and in the facility where I was working, we had, you know, eight years of sustainability uh, practice. And so how we learned how to do that and what methodology we did, that's one thing because I think a lot of people experience the wonder and the amazing transformation that happens when you do this process improvement work. But how do you hardwire that into training an ever revolving workforce or, you know, over time when people didn't get to experience the discovery of deciding what the standard work is. And so now they're coming in and they're being told this is standard work and everybody has to kind of experience it for themselves. And so how do you hold those gains? And we have a lot more experience with that that I'm really proud of. So that's new. Well, you know, the podcast is called Connecting the Dots. And uh, so let's do some connecting the dots right now. Um, you know, sometimes people get confused about standard work and then TWI job instructions that can really help create a standard behavior and then TWI job relations. And then finally, TWI job methods. Walk us through connecting of those dots sure good question you know, skip <laughs> or good, or, yeah yeah at a good high level question. at a high level you know uh, i always like to uh you know preface this kind of discussion with a reminder that you know twi goes way back to world war ii in the early 1950s when it was introduced into japan in the very early days of what you know today we call lean or toyota production system and so you know the twi um skills were foundational you know, to today what we call lean management systems and high performance, uh, you know, high performance activities, continuous improvement and so on. And, you know, when you think about uh, all of those things, you know, at the foundation of that is standardized work. You know, as Taichi Ono, the founder of Toyota Production Systems said, without standards, there is no Kaizen. There is no improvement if you don't have that foundation of standards. So we talked a little bit uh, in your previous question, Dr. Mason, about how job instruction you know, addresses standardized work. But, you know, if people refuse to follow those uh, instructions, you know, no matter how good your instruction is, then you, you'll never achieve that standardization. And that's the job relations piece. You know, we say job relations is a leadership function 
you know, if you want people to follow your instructions, you have to lead. So we need that leadership skills in order to in order to encourage and motivate and get the cooperation of our people in following those standards. And then the job methods piece then, you know, is now that we have that standard in place, we're always thinking of a better way of doing that. And so it gives us a you know, skill in doing that. So that is where you connect the dots in terms of in order to create that standard, you know, I've got to get motivation of people to follow our leadership. We have to get their ideas on how to improve those. And then once we come up with that improved method, then we have to have a way of teaching it to everyone so that everyone learns it properly and it becomes those, you know, the the habits that we talked about a little bit earlier. And so it really without those pillars, you know, you're not you're never going to get standard work. It's just an ideal that you you never reach because we don't have the skills, you know, to put it into place. Absolutely. And, you know, job relations is so important because with, without those behaviors. Right. No, no matter how good of a jib you have if people aren't going to follow it it's not going to do any good and you know i um you know when i went through ji training the jib that i had to create was teaching somebody how to tie a two-handed surgeon square knot Mm -hmm. and i mean i can tie a two-handed surgeon square knot with my eyes closed behind my back and my sleep but when you have to break that job down into as few steps as you can to uh, to teach it to somebody else, uh, it, it, it can be quite challenging. But but, you know, it you know, it makes you realize that. That we can make it as simple as possible and that that how important it is to break it down into those those key steps in order to explain it, because most of the time I would just say, well, this is what you do. Just watch me do it. Just watch me do it. Watch me do it. But but that doesn't work. You know, it's so much easier when you can you can give them a sheet of paper that has those instructions written down and, and you make them do it and do it and do it again. Exactly. And, yeah, and the job relations. Go ahead, Martha. Go ahead. No, no, Especially you since your hands are so fast, you know, like yeah. you said, you can do it behind your back and in your sleep. And it's like you're going to do it fast. And those, uh, the line that you're tying is super thin, so it would be hard to see. And what I was going to say is the job relations piece, connecting the dots now, the job relations piece is so critical because if I didn't have that relation with you, that trust, you know, that, you know, you were someone I looked up to, I trusted that you were going to help me, you know, to become the great doctor that I want to be then I wouldn't listen to your instructions no matter how good they were because I didn't trust you. I would, you know, I'd, I'd say, well, I don't really trust you, so I'm going to figure out my own way because I don't really believe what you're telling me is the right way to do that. So you see, without that trust, without that relationship, the instruction then falls down. And so you really need those pieces, you know, the building blocks, you know, of good leadership. They have to be working together. Absolutely. One of the things that we would see at Baptist often, uh, Martha, and I was curious if you saw this at Virginia Mason, is we would have uh, a lot of good material on uh, maybe it's doing a central line dressing change. Maybe it's putting in a Foley catheter. You can kind of fill in the blank. Lots of good evidence-based information, even some maybe some good standards uh, that were developed but good people with good intentions would still do things different, you know, because they learned it 20 years at another facility across the country. 
And what JI did, what TWI Job Instructions did, is it helped create that new standard behavior. It helped create those, I call it new neural pathways in the brain that all of a sudden they started doing it in a very similar way. Did, did you see the same thing at Virginia Mason? Yeah, we um, we had a several years history of trying to develop standard work. So I, I my experience was opposite of Pat's. And I really started with the lean and, you know, learning from Toyota and Japanese senseis. And then it was, you know, several years into this journey that we discovered TWI and uh, all the different jobs and how to fit those things together. And so, um, I, you know, that was our experience is learning that later and that uh, really helping solidify things. So we already had a culture of once we determined the standard way, that's it. You're you're doing it that way. And we actually were able to, you know, hold people accountable to that. But nobody wants to hold people accountable with a rule as opposed to inspiration. And inspiration is where you, you know, you've come together and you have the greatest minds around and the team goes through it. And like Pat said, you lock the room in, you know, you bring them some provisions, but not many. And, you know, you really want them to, you know, get that work done and dig into it and, um, um, you know, really wrestle it out. And, and that always produced, you know, great results. But it was, um, it was really in our sustaining effort work that we held the gain and realized that once you develop a great standard, it's really just a temporary placeholder. You're kidding yourself if you think you can just put it in ink and put it in a notebook. And so what our um, process was for checking to make sure we were still following the standard was not so much patrolling people as it was auditing the process to make sure it still worked. And that, you know, it, things evolve and uh, space changes and supply chains change and, you know, different ideas come to place. And so by doing auditing of our standard work, we really were able to then say, you know, step seven, it's still kind of a mess. <laughs> Let's go. Now that we've we're at a crisis mode let's make this an elegant design and let's really, you know, try and get to that and, and smooth that piece out. And then once you did that, that was really seen as respectful to the staff and to the patients of like, you know, yeah. And people could get it because it was, you know, 90% the same as the old way that we trained you, but there's this one little piece and everybody would always agree yeah, that step seven always bugged me, you know, this is way better. And so that was, that's what I mean by we now have a lot more experience with sustainability is like, you're just kidding yourself if standard work is, you know, a noun, it's really just a verb. So if you, if you have a process that, you know, you're having a compliance problem, rather than 
automatically thinking it's a behavior problem. You you may want to yes. look at look at that process and say, exactly. okay, okay. And and when they say, oh yeah, step seven, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. So you say, that's well, maybe exactly, that's the learning. Exactly. Well, and you that, don't have compliance. You haven't figured it out yet. That's right. And that's the beauty of standard work. In the essence of it is, don't stop blaming the people. Let's look at the process. It's the process that's failing us, not the people. And if the people are struggling to get that process, then we need to improve the process. We need to improve our training. We need to improve our leadership. You know, those TWI skills. That, so in other words, we as as management, as supervisors, we need to take the responsibility, you know, of guiding our workforce, you know, to those better outcomes. It's not about blaming people. So let me ask you this question, uh, Pat. As you know, I'm a big believer uh, in TWI and, and job instructions, TWI job instructions uh, gets a lot of attention. And most many people only know that element right. of TWI. That's right. Recently, there's an explosion going on of awareness of people learning about TWI job relations. I'm a right. big, big uh, lover and embracer of TWI job relations. But TWI job methods doesn't get all the love and attention that I think it deserves. <laughs> so um, explain to our audience, what is TWI job methods? Okay. Well, let me let me preface that answer by saying that, you know, most organizations are doing some kind of improvement. So it's not that they're not working on improvement. Um, you know, you have even the simple suggestion box or, you know, we're open to people's ideas and they want to get people's ideas for improvement. So it's not that we're neglecting that. It's just that we don't really kind of focus on a specific method for doing that. And so, you know, what what is job methods? Job methods is a, a very straightforward four-step method that everyone can learn and follow. It's a repeatable process that you can use over and over again in order to come up with a better way, you know, of doing, you know, whatever process it is that we're working on. And so, you know, it, it gives it gives your workforce, you know, not just supervisors, but even frontline, you know, um, uh, uh, staff and employees, you know, a real skills. Because in many cases, you know, people, you'll hear people say things like, oh, I'm not an idea person. Ask Martha. She's the idea person. Or I gave my idea last year. I'm done, right? You know, in other words, they don't have a skill for generating those ideas. And and I know, Skip, you like to call JM an idea generation you know, mechanism or a process. And so we need skill. We need practice, just like riding a bicycle. Improvement can be learned. It can be practiced. And so it's a real straightforward way, you know, of that, of getting continuous improvement. In fact, in Japanese, you know, the job methods program is called Kaizen no Shigata, the way to do Kaizen, you know, so that's how foundational and fundamental it is, you know, to Kaizen and the improvement process. Yeah, JM is the only, it's the only one of the three that I haven't, I haven't gone through yet. And I'm, I'm very uh, anxious to do that or looking forward to it because I like the idea of looking at your process and saying, Mm -hmm. you know, how can I shave 10 seconds off this or how can I shave 10 feet off this process, you know, just continually trying to make it make it better. Well, you know, and you I think you mentioned, Dr. Mason, you're a surgeon because remember, Skip, we were talking um, to um, your new surgeon from Germany. And I just I never forget what he said, you know, as a surgeon, that process, that standard, he said, without that standard. And this this is I'm quoting him. He said, I'm lost. I'm lost. And so in that in that procedure, in that standard, if you can save 10 seconds, 
I think that's golden, right? Because you know, you you open up the patient every every second is is it counts, right? And so that's what we're looking for. So JM is a very disciplined approach. It takes a lot of we get into the details. And so in that disciplined approach, you know, you really have to have a, a good skill, you know, of looking for those ideas. But when you get them, it's really golden. I just have one more thing to add on to that. I know mm-hmm. I know we've got this, but you know, the other thing that that gives you is if you're using methods and you're using all the JI programs and such is this gives your organization um, a, a common language and a common ground and camaraderie in the respect of this is the way we do the work and I'm a part of something that's making it better for our patients. And that is so huge. If you want to talk about how do you take care of your workforce, this is it in healthcare. It's not a pizza party. It's this respectful work. Good people want to do important work well, and this is how you get there, and this is how you get out of the chaos. And and plus, it can it can create a little competition because I, I'm you competitive, bet. and so you've you've been through Jr. Well, I hadn't been through Jr. I want to go through. <laughs> J, you know, I want to be trained up. I want that so, green card. Yeah, you exactly. Get the green card. I, I carry my yellow. I carry my yellow card <laughs> in my pocket every day for a JR. You know, it's funny because people will always ask me. They'll say, in, in one quick elevator speech, tell me what JR is. That's what some folks from Canada told asked me the other day, and this is what I always say. I say it's the best way I'm aware of to operationalize respect for every individual. And so TWI job instructions, TWI job relations, and TWI job methods, it it just works so beautiful. And then you add into that standardization, and uh, it's just such a foundation for improvement. Well, Martha, I am so thankful for you. You have continued to teach me uh, a lot through the years. And Pat, you've been a mentor of mine for many years now, and I'm just so incredibly thankful for both of y'all for the great work that you're doing. Uh, I know there's other healthcare systems outside of Baptist that you're working with, and just on pa- on behalf of the Baptist Memorial Healthcare, I just want to say thank you so much for being with us today, and thank you for your time, and thank you for the great work you're doing. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thank you, guys. Thank you.